Welcome to That Food and Wine Show with Nerida. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to That Food and Wine Show. I'm Nerida, and I am sitting here today chatting to Arez, who is the, I'm going to say, the president and the CEO um, of your own business, which is Quality Food World, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but also the proprietor of Restaurant Lume in South Melbourne. And it's quite a lot. I, I'm really, I, I meet people like this from time to time who do so many different things, but have been in the food industry for so many years and just have so much experience. And I'm always fascinated to chat to them about their business. How are you, Arez? I'm good. Oh, How are you? I'm great, thank you. Good. How did you start Quality Food World? Basically, I travelled the world for quite a few years and somehow I ended up in uh, Australia after doing food in many different countries and uh, decided to start a business that supply quality food is all natural. Hence the name. <laughs> yeah. Try to, to supply food which is uh, down to earth, good for you, healthy, tasty, and to be able to supply to everyone uh, in, in, in quality rather than uh, a, a factory style, like yeah. more home style. Okay. And what kind of products do you have? Uh, we have thousands of lines. We do deep salad, sauces, antipasto, uh, small goods, cheese, marinated stuff, uh, you name it. We have many, many things. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm sure that we'll, we all, everyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure will have come across your products and probably eaten them and not even realised that you're the man behind it. Yeah, well, we have, we've created with the years quite a few brands and uh, we supply probably everyone in Australia. Wow, we. Do you retail? We starting now to do a bit of retail through delis, but we sell to a lot of retailers. We sell to all the fruiters, all the private ones, all the chain supermarkets, wow. supermarkets, uh, restaurants. Uh, basically, everyone who wants to eat something good, which is not uh, too processed and uh, down to earth, healthy, tasty. And we have quite a few brands that are everywhere. So most people in Australia eat. Our brands. Okay. What's been some of the challenges when you were starting out with this business? Well, the challenge of any business or anything in life is to, to, to you have to start, you know, it's like a child born and then crying. And, and panic. Panicking <laughs> and peeing in his pants and, you know, somebody have to change them and then they learn about it. Yeah. And a lot of people reject you and don't want you because Aww. you're new and stuff, but you, you have to be... Basically, the main thing in life is to believe in the direction and then you'll reach it. As and long stick as, to it. Yeah, as, as long as you believe in what you're doing and you want to do it, you'll succeed. But, uh, of course, there's any, any, in anything that you do, mm. if you don't really want to do it, you won't do it. You'll be stopped by yourself or other people or other circumstances or situations. So, mm. basically, you have to want to do what you do. And it's funny that you use changing a baby's nappy as an allergy because I've heard on the grapevine that you have six children. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's... How do you find juggling children and teenagers and all your work? Well, I guess I guess uh, Karen, my wife, is uh, juggling with them more than me. I'm just helping with the juggling with the kids. <laughs> oh, I know. Now, another project that you are very much hands-on with is Restaurant Lume in mm. South Melbourne. Yeah. So for our listeners who may not have dined at Lume before, 
It's essentially Australia's only, I guess, full foraging restaurant that's all around foraging natural ingredients from all kinds of different Victorian ecosystems. So how did this come about? We started the restaurant uh, a few years ago, but I think it came only now to, to, to what it should have been with all the natural abilities and directions by, uh, well, we basically joined EJ, Elijah, to, to the business and the fact that he's so much into foraging and he's so much... Who's the head chef, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's here. He'll say hello yeah. in a minute. We'll meet Elijah in a second. <laughs> so, yeah, well, well, that's the thing. We always wanted the restaurant to be. We wanted to use only natural, only from, from the field, from outside. So it's all happening in a way that we create the things that nobody else can create because we pay the attention and the time and the foraging and, and, and the whole situation and also growing at our restaurant a lot of the herbs and spices that uh, Elijah loved to grow so much. So, uh, yeah, together with all the rest of the people in the restaurant, in the kitchen, I think we create something very unique, not only for Australia, for the world. And I think uh, it's it's a very, very special place. It's definitely world-class. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And I love the fact that um, as the proprietor, you know, I guess you're not a chef in your background, but I guess to still support you know, what chef wants to grow is exactly as you were saying and, and do some certain things like preparing some of the meat and things here on site is just pretty special. And in fact, you've got kind of some wines and things that, or some alcoholic beverages and things and non-alcoholic beverages as well that are, I guess, locally sourced. Yeah, well, we have a group of people that are very interested in, in nature and in health and in uh, creating a special atmosphere together with special food and drink so we're using it in the bar and in the kitchen and uh, yeah that's the direction mm. natural healthy tasty and also at the same time a lot from 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 the land you know so we we don't buy every, anything it's not commercial which is going hand in mm. hand with the other business which is quality food that i started mm. like 25 years ago and yeah, it's going Do you incorporate any of those products into the menu here? In here, we try to do everything from scratch, mm. but our products, our brands of quality food are very famous to be healthy and natural. Yeah. We're big believers in, in, uh, in nature and health and taste at the same time, and we develop ourselves mm. with the years a lot of products. We, we have a big uh, understanding of all different cultures, different foods from around the world, so we still develop ourselves are still develop product myself for the business so gosh that's amazing yeah so we we're doing a lot of those things and i think the direction that elijah is bringing to the restaurant it's also great going hand in hand and yeah it's super exciting now um i want my listeners now to meet elijah how are you Good, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. So tell me, I think you're really young to have had so many extraordinary jobs and experiences. How did you become a chef and why did you think that that was for you? Um, well, it just all came down to, I think, in the beginning that I love to eat food. And, you know, from a really young age, I'd be sitting on the washing machine churning butter with my mum to, Aww. you know, picking, climbing a tree to pick mulberries. So yeah. I've always loved food. And... Um, to be able to work with creating food that's delicious and tasty so I can eat it and then also other people can eat it. 
it just kind of went hand in hand. Oh. So, yeah, but I've always been in and around nature and, you know, the outdoors, which has, you know, brought in a big love of, you know, of food more for me as mm. well, because for me, that's where, you know, most of my food and creations come from, and yeah. it's from the wild and from outdoors, so... So tell me about your chef journey. Like, where did you start and how did you wind up here? It's been a pretty long road, to be honest. Yeah, of um, course. I started cooking, uh, you know, f- full-time when I was around 11. 11 <laughs> full-time? Yeah. What? And um, b- uh, just a little bit before that, I was... Did you not go to school? No, I did. I was... I was, <laughs> <laughs> was school's way, my parents. Get out and earn a living. This is, a, it, yeah, this is yeah. sounding a little bit... Oliver Twist to me, but yeah, anyway. I, I wanted to make my own money and have my own money to do things back then. So. You know, it was illegal, right? Sorry. <laughs> so, and, um, yeah, but no, that was fun for me. When I was doing that, first I was working in the bakery with my uh, older brother. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I learned from my mum and grandma. I learned mm. a, a lot about, you know, a lot of the basics about food. And, you know, like from when I was really young, I would be eating lamb's brains and kidneys and other things with my grandma. So, you know, I brought up with a culture of, like, learning a lot of food from my mum and grandma. Mm. And um, just with loving food, I always wanted to do more. So, yeah, yeah I started then working as a chef. Um, after, after baking for a couple of years, I started working full-time as a chef uh, when I was 13. Gosh! And then I, I, started, my, I started my apprenticeship when I, just after 13. When it was legal. So, yeah, when I was, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was legal. I can tell you the name of the restaurant because then you're going to go and arrest them. So shut, shut it's down. It's not mine. It's not mine. Sorry. It's not a... <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I started that and um, I qualified as a chef when I was 17. Yeah, well, no, for, for me it was, you know, it was very, very fun and I, uh, I, th- I'm, I like a challenge and I'm quite ambitious. So, you know, I always want to do better and better with, you know, Gosh. things. So... With the food and the restaurants when I started, I started wanting to, you know, I'd start in one area and section of the restaurant and then I'd want to be able to learn and do all the other places and to do everything. And, um, yeah, so I just kept pushing when I was young and I managed to go, you know, f- from position to position to get better roles. And, yeah, then I started, you know, a career working with Darren Simpson for, you know, a good two and a half nearly years. Mm-hmm. Where, and I learned a, learned a lot. He was a really good mentor yeah. and friend of mine. From there, I went on to working at Aria for a couple of years under Matt Moran and um, mm-hmm. Ben Turner, who was the, the head chef under, you know, with Matt Moran at the time. Mm-hmm. And then from there, working Jonah's, um, doing stages and working here and there at Key, uh, working for Guillaume. And then kind of from there, got, I went back to Jonah's. And then after there, uh, I, I ended up um, having the opportunity to open my own restaurant as head chef, but with um, Danny Russo and also Chef Royna. Yeah, so after doing that for a, a while, that was amazing. That was really good. And, well, and it would have been like an MBA of learning, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, it was amazing because I had, you know, the opportunity to create and do all these things myself. Yeah. And that's when, when I was 20, that's when I started making my first charcuterie and because um, I just started doing hunting and other things. And then I'd have kangaroos. Okay. Or... let's just have a minute on hunting. Yeah. Do you hunt, Arez? All my life. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. Everything I want, I hunt for. Do you? Okay. Okay. Well, mm, okay. Diamonds? <laughs> I, I don't really want diamonds. Well, the reason I ask is because most of us are hypocrites. Like, most of us will actually chow down on that delicious, crazily delicious venison that you prepared the other night that I was lucky enough to have. But if I had to shoot Bambi in the eyes, I wouldn't. Okay. I couldn't. That's not fair to then eat it if I haven't been able to shoot it myself. Uh, yeah. I think I could kill a chicken. 
And I can definitely fish. I'm a very good. I'm very good at fishing. It's so strange. I don't well, know. Well, speaking of that, I mean, it's always good to start. So how, how do you feel about like? My first job as a, uh, you know, working in, in kitchens as as a chef mm. was actually end up being with, being with who's you know my, uh, my one of my best mates now, Boyan Gudanovic. So I actually started working in kitchens with him, mm -hmm. and I started hunting with him, and that's how I started learning. But before that. We actually learned how to, um, you know, to slaughter a chicken. He actually showed me how to slaughter a chicken, okay. just to be able to understand He's and how to do vegan. it. He's hey. not vegan. No, I'm gathering you're not we, vegan. We're both, we're both not vegans. <laughs> no. I'm not vegan either. This is I'm but, hypocrite, but I'm a full meat eater. <laughs> but talking about hunting, actually, it's a funny story yeah. because we we were doing things together before, and I was actually I had a, I opened a place, a restaurant in in China with some wow. people a few years ago. And I was actually looking for someone from here to go there because it was a Western style restaurant okay. with meat and all kind of stuff. And, and what, sorry, what made you pick China? How did that happen? Uh, I didn't pick it, they picked me. Okay. Actually, there's some people doing something there and they didn't know how to make the food. So okay. they came to me, they say, let's create the food, let's do this. And we got some people to create the kit, the, the, the bar menu and everything. Mm. And it was a huge place, like four or five levels Gosh. with a lot of different things. And basically, then I was hunting. I was hunting for a chef. And I was asking, asking. <laughs> Not with a gun, I hope. No, no. So I was asking. There may have been a gun involved. I, I was asking people. It was very difficult to get people. What was it? Five years ago or something? Yeah. It was very difficult to get people to want to go and live in China. Gosh, but China's so. I mean, I know we've got issues now, but no, so it progressive. It was difficult to get a chef yeah. to go and stay in China. Okay. And I met some people which knew Ija, and they say, "Talk to Ija." So I spoke to him. He said, "I'll go to China." What so, a champ. So, and how did you feel about just going to China? Like, oh, it was incredibly excited? exciting, yeah. It was one of the most exciting things I've, you know, done in my life, moving over to China and, and working there. And, uh, you know, so many incredible experiences and things happened from over being there. I mean, I mean, one amazing thing as well from being over there is I met my wife over there. So I'm, you know, married. Uh, with now as well. So, and she's but, uh, Russian. Just yeah, she's, she's <laughs> Russian. She's actually she's Russian. Russian. No. You went to China to meet a yeah, Russian. You went to China to meet a Russian. That's so funny. Yeah. But um, yeah, oh, it was an incredible experience. Amazing time. You know, saw so many really things that really made me push and, you know, further my career. And mm -hmm. a lot of, I mean, for me as well, it was almost like four and a half to five years over there of just, of training and trialing so many different new products. And I've learned so much over there. Uh, not to mention having to learn Mandarin. Yes, I was going well. to ask both of you, how did it, it work with the language funny. barrier? Funny. The language and all the things, but it's, it's, it's a funny place. But the first thing I wanted to say is like doing charcuterie. So we created a, a huge charcuterie kind of uh, glass uh, room kind wow. of. Because it's not really even a thing there, is it? Yeah, no. so basically EJ was actually drying and curing any animal that you can think of. And, Except and bats. Please tell me. Uh, <laughs> we don't know okay. yet. We, we keep it oh, secret. Oh, no. But we were like, he was doing donkey's legs. And, but, and, but the people, they like it, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they're not used to curing, but it was, it was amazing. Actually, I have some photos, you know, oh. of the thing. And it was like really crazy, the Gosh. kitchen. And he had to talk to this... Chinese people, yeah. which couldn't speak a word of English. Yeah. I mean, how many people were working in the yeah, kitchen? We had a, uh, well, in, in the restaurant, in the kitchen, we had about 16, 17 chefs, but the whole venue, we had about nearly 40, 40 yeah. staff for the whole venue. Wow. For, no, 40 to maybe 50 staff. So it was a lot of work, but it was good, it was challenging. But that was one of the great things yes. about 
I had to start learning, um, well, first it was actually Cantonese that I had to learn, but that was fascinating because as soon as I started learning, I got so much more respect mm, from all the yeah. staff and workers, yeah. so that was a really incredible thing. But the problem is but Mandarin still... is very different to Cantonese. They're exactly. nothing oh, alike. Totally so yeah. it's like... Well, it was in Cantonese area, yeah. but Mandarin is the main language. Yeah. And after that, he was working in the other side of China. Yeah. But uh, the start was with all these translators and yeah. stuff, which oh, yeah. we found out that the translation was wrong because, like, <laughs> they, it's not—it's not only the language; it's, it's the a way tones. of it's, no, it's a—it's a way of thinking yeah, because their yeah. language is not by letters, you know, no. it's all pictures. Characters, so yeah. they try to translate, for example, uh, soy salad, you know, fresh, uh, fresh bean soy, if you remember, and then yeah, translated yeah. it as uh, as to oh. no, they call they. Fr Translated is a soy sauce salad, oh, and then okay, people yeah. didn't know. And it was I like, mean, I find it, it hard to funny. translate some of the dishes that you make now because I haven't heard of half of the ingredients, mm. and I'm a foodie because you pick ingredients that are so, I guess, prevalent in nature, but we just don't know about them. Mm -hmm. And so I can't even imagine the language barrier on top of that. You know, culturally, there's a lot of differences, and I guess you have to suddenly be respectful and learn all of those. But you're right, they, they do eat lots of different ingredients. And one of my favourite Cantonese dishes was um, snake soup in winter. Mm, and yeah, we would pick, yeah, yeah, we would pick the cobra that would be slithering around in a circle mm. out the front of the restaurant. That's the one we want. And cobra's dead. And it's served in your soup, in your mm. spicy soup, soup later on. And things like that. Um, some things they eat, some things they don't. You remember when you made something with, uh, what do you call it? Um, I think it was cinnamon. No? Cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So when he did something with cinnamon, they rang me, the trainees, and they say, you can't use that. People oh. don't eat that stuff. You remember that? Yeah, there's, I mean, it's different areas. And, you know, that was yeah. in, you know, there's a couple different things in different areas and regions of, of China, there's some specific spice or things you can't use or don't use. I yeah. mean, there's quite a few areas as well that like hate chili and yes. coriander and things. So it's, yep. it's, it's it's such a diverse country. With yeah. cinnamon, you don't, people don't know, but there's two kinds of cinnamon. Yeah, one is right. really poisonous and oh. one is really good. So that's why I think... Thank goodness I haven't mucked that, that up over my, the years. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> I think, but they, they, like in the Cantonese area, like in uh, Guangzhou, yeah. Yeah. they would not eat cinnamon. They don't oh, like yeah. herbs and spices anyway a lot. It's very bland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cantonese, true it's Cantonese totally food the is... It's totally the other side of yeah. China, you know? Yeah, 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 where they like Sichuan, for example, yeah, really yeah, spicy. Yeah. What is probably the strangest, by Western terms, the strangest thing that you've ever eaten? Look, I spend a, a good amount of time in China. I'm so scared I, to hear your answers. Um, I ate snakes. I ate anything. But yeah. I think eating eyes is the worst. Eating eyes. Yeah. yeah. Pan, uh, pangolin and civet, to be honest, was... Okay. Uh, I didn't know it was at the time. Well, what is honest. it? Civet, it's almost like a little... It's like a lomer. Okay. Um, and um, But apparently it's a... Yeah, it was, I mean, look, I'll be honest, when I had it, it was like in pork, but I didn't know until I'd eaten it. And yeah. When I honestly actually did stop eating it afterwards because I wasn't extremely comfortable with it. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll be honest, it was actually delicious. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, I, I mean, I've eaten lots of things, you know, in yeah. China and Singapore from turtles to turtle eggs and many things. I'm very adventurous. I, yeah. You know, like... I like to eat and try everything, and yeah. I would try just about almost anything. Okay. Um, probably the strangest, other than snake, there was a dish in Hong Kong that sometimes whoever we were with would order, and it was cow vitals, oh, yeah. which meant penis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I ate those. I used yeah. to make a yeah. Yemenite soup with... Right. Uh, with... Uh, okay. Bread. I mean, I'm off. <laughs> I think we can all say the word penis. <laughs> it's, a, it's a famous Yemenite soup, actually. Is it? Yes. What yes. else is in it? 
Well, you do use the, when you do that, actually, you use that, but you use a lot of, uh, it's Yemenite mix spice, yeah. called Hawaii Edge, okay. which is a mix of a lot of Middle Eastern Yemenite Yum. style things. Sounds and, divine. Yeah, so it gives the soup a lot of uh, strong taste, and you can also use bones yeah. in it, like leg and stuff. Yeah, to get the gelatinous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's beautiful. So tell me how you wound up at Lume and explain to our listeners what the whole concept of this place is. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I actually got back, moved back to Australia in 2019 in September. And yeah, I first had a bit of a chill and kind of camping trips and holidays. And then had a, a cat, I caught up with Errors and met up with him in the city. Mm-hmm. And then we just talked. And then, um, yeah, a little bit later down the track, uh, Errors let me know or offered me uh, the job and position at mm-hmm. Lume to take over Lume. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I was very, very keen at the, the thought and the idea. So... Yeah, so I came down to uh, Melbourne in December and basically started working straight away. And, um, yeah, so the first thing that I did when I got down were here, well, first things I had to to kind of put more of a team together Uh because there was already a bit of a team, but had to find more of a team. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the first and most important thing for me is whenever I'm I'm starting a a new restaurant or doing something is planting a garden. So I started putting gardens in so we'd be able to So where are they? So they're just out the back of the restaurant. Okay. Yeah, so we've got a beautiful kitchen garden there that we've set up and that we use. So basically all the herbs and flowers, we'll grow them or we collect them. And then after that, on top of um, getting ready to create the menu, I went out foraging all over Melbourne to find what ingredients would be making a part of the menu. So before I can even think or look at, about the menu, I was, I'll go out to the wild or go out to the bush, to the rainforest, mm-hmm. to the, you know, to, uh, you know, cool temperate rainforest farmlands or, you know, the mountains, alpine areas and the beach. And then I'll put a big list together of all the wild things that are out there that can mm. be found and also harvested sustainably as well. And I just need to ask you at this point, how do you know what's not going to kill you? Because I'm sure back in the day there was some poor bloke, let's just call him Kevin, and it was, hey, Kevin, can you just try this berry? <laughs> And then suddenly Kevin's dead. So, you no, know. No, we, we haven't ever had any of that. No. But, how do, but seriously, how do you know what you can well, eat? What so, you I, look, I have a big background in, look, my uh, parents have a degree in, like, horticulture, permaculture. Ah. Dad's a kind of botanist as well, so okay. to speak. Um, so, look, I had a bit of a background in plants and understanding plants and, you know, gardening and, and nature and things. Um, but more so than that, when I was, you know, when I was first actually at Jonah's, when I was... I think I can't remember, maybe I was like 17, 18. Mm. I started doing a lot of foraging and stuff with a good friend of mine, Boyan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that because we would go out on hunting trips and we'd want to try and find what we can, you know, get out there. So from now to then, I've, you know, it's been almost probably like more than a good eight, eight years or so. I've been mm-hmm. really um, researching, learning about foraging, about wild plants and things out there. Yeah. Being a chef, obviously, if you can see things that look like mm. similar to species of something in the restaurant, it's very easy yeah. to start to identify things. But I really taught myself and wanted to learn over the last five, well, no, sorry, last seven or eight years because I started a foraging business when I was 21. Mm, and for amazing. me, on top of, at the same time, I was a head chef back then. Mm. But So I could use it in the restaurant and also be the first person to ever use something like this because mm. nobody could get it. Not only that, was I was also selling it as well because yeah, so, I okay. set up a foraging business. So for me, it was, you know, very interesting like that. So, yeah, so when I came down here first, um, you know, they were the most important things first mm. to... To work out what I can have on my menu is mm-hmm. to is to go foraging and see what the components of my dishes can be made up of, yep. gathered on you know what 
you know, what's out here. So, because for me, foraging, it's not about getting a little pretty herb or flower just to put on top. Yes, I love to use beautiful, pretty herbs and flowers, but all of the, uh, you know, ingredients are components of a dish mm. and they be need to be there or otherwise they don't need to be there. And, you know, so most of my whole entire menu that we do here is made up of wild food mm. and wild food as the components and ingredients in the dish. And there's many dishes that if we didn't go out foraging to get these ingredients, well, wouldn't we there. wouldn't, and, and I don't buy them. And mm -hmm. I know even some of them you can, but look, there's some things that we do buy, but a lot of them, you know, I prefer to, to get it out, get it myself, source it myself. And with that, you know, we, we uh, uh, travel across huge areas to get everything. And when you say we, Elijah is referring to his whole staff team. Yeah. It's, you don't just go by yourself, but your chefs no, actually no. go too. Yeah, yeah. Well, not only the chefs, actually, the, all the staff, the front of house staff, the you know the the bar team, you know the you know the, all all the front of house staff and the kitchen, you know, from our kitchen hands to everybody. Do you, does he make so. you go as well, Arez? When I have time, <laughs> yeah. I'm very busy. But yeah. Especially when it's raining and cold. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mind it. But I'm I'm doing lots of things, juggling it, quite a few things. You but know. you've been out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went places yeah. and stuff. The first thing that we did when we when he came in, yeah. we just went and got all these different things that we're gonna. Grow in the restaurant and then, amazing yeah so it's, amazing it's so, yeah. so amazing when you come to lume the dining experience which i've had the pleasure of experiencing recently myself it's literally a sensory journey i think that's probably a good way of explaining it you you know you sit down and i'm, I'm going to reference your um muscle in an edible shell as a as a reference point it's ridiculously stunning it's not just that you've prepared an actual muscle that's in a shell that looks real, but it's actually edible. The way that you've set it in amongst, effectively, it looks like a scene from nature. So it's a visual spectacle. And then obviously to have this beautiful taste sensation, you really, with a lot of your food, where it comes from, for example, some of the sea grasses and different things like that, um, and the seaweeds and things, it's like a smack in the face of the ocean. Like it actually tastes like the ocean. Yeah, so how do you think about things like um, the edible shell? I mean, that's a stroke of genius and how, it, it's not obviously made from shell. Um, well, I mean, we use a shell to be able to mould it mm. and to be able to get the, you know, like the perfect pattern and mm. so on. But I suppose in a way, the way I see it makes it easy to, to, to try and do these things is I get inspired by nature because when you go out, you see all these things and, yeah. and how it looks in nature. You, you go to the beach and there'll be mussels washed up, you know, with rocks and seaweed and everything around it. And for me, I basically want to kind of capture that and put it on a plate or yeah. put it on whatever we put it on, for instance. But we want to try and recreate it so guests can come in and have a little piece of the wild, but in front of them. It's just Visually fear. and also, you know, to be able to eat as well. So, yeah. so that's the thing. So, you it's know, brilliant. I, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. The other thing that I really, really loved is the time and the care that you know, you guys take with your dishes and your plating. And I think a lot of times diners take that for granted. They sit down, they go, oh, that's nice, that's nice. But when you actually look at the, um, the marin, for example, so there's a marin that you serve on a clay. It looks like a black and white marbled piece of clay that you'd see in the side of a rock. Um, that's the actual plate. And it's made by hand, you were explaining to me, by a ceramicist. Yeah. Um, but then you pour some beautiful seafood bisque onto this dish with a... And it tastes sensation, but I think it actually even tastes better because the plate is so part of the of the whole sensory journey. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that was my experience anyway. Yeah. But you, put, you clearly put a lot of thought into every single thing that comes out of the kitchen. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's the, you know like it's the the whole package you you like to work on. Then, mm. although you know like of course you can um, put food or, or or something on any plate and try and make it look good. Mm. I think for me it's more than that. It's and it's to go behind it and 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 see what you can incorporate as part of the the dish or the course. Not even like a dish, you know, a, a part of the experience and you know that specific ecosystem part of the experience to try and make it you know all kind of work hand in hand you know what mm. I mean so if we can provide everything that kind of reflects back on the whole story mm. then it all just makes sense you know what I mean so you know for you know our, our venison charcuterie that comes out on moss and you know it's it's trying to embody the whole <coughs> experience of where the venison yeah. comes from not to mention that we use the moss and other things to smoke and and you know age the venison mm. with and yeah so for it's me it's so 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 much thought I think that's the key thing. It's, it's so of, much thought. It's also a lot of attention to details, oh. you know, which people... Insanely. Insane it's amounts. It's hard to, to believe that mm. so much has been put into mm. everything. But, but that's the good thing in life. All the good things take a lot of hard work behind it. Absolutely. And, needs and to that's be what stands yeah. out from, yeah. you know, most other restaurants. And certainly there, there is no other Lume competitor, if you like, I guess, because nobody does... No this the way that you guys do it here mm. it's changing all the time like do you find that you how often do you change up your menu to include different sorts of things um well look i try to keep some things you know for you know the two to three to four months to mm. try and you know just just give to, everyone just, a chance to have it yeah, yeah exactly to give everybody a chance to have it yeah and to you know to show consistency and get mm. you know uh, try to get us more skilled in the kitchen and you know in mm. all areas of the venue and so we can understand things better also i am very wary of the seasons you know things change yeah. obviously in australia we're very lucky because you know we're not like if we were in even england or if we were in scandinavia mm. you know the seasons change very abruptly and briefly yeah. and then there's completely different things in season in australia we're you know we're lucky with this climate even though in melbourne where it's still colder you know there's lots of things for many you know more seasons mm. so to speak so dependent on seasons like things can change you know we have i know we have a gooseberry wild uh, native currants and gooseberry dish at the moment mm. which is using a couple of native wild berries and things that we collect mm. but that i know we only have like uh, you know another four and a half weeks or something okay. now so i'm currently in the position of trying to source and find other things that's going to yeah. end up replacing that dish so okay. yeah. yeah so it can be quite dependent but i do like to try and have things for a little bit longer just so that you know yeah if the photo's gone up or people can see it and and if we're happy with something that more people can get to try it yeah. just so things don't change too abruptly and then you know somebody really wants fine to line try isn't something. it yeah yeah fine yeah line. exactly yeah oh my goodness uh, just for me personally you know i have been very fortunate to dine in hundreds of amazing restaurants around australia and i have to say there were so many firsts for me when i ate here so I had all kinds of foods and things I, A, I've never heard of, B, never tasted, and kind of sometimes, you know, you think, oh, well, that, I don't know, that looks like a bunch of salt bush, sea grassy, I don't even know what that is. And then you put it in your mouth and it's just a party. It's just like party in your mouth and so, so delicious and such a lovely surprise because they're textures and flavours I've never had before. It's unique. It's really unique. And I think that that's so wonderful that we get to, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I find in Australia, we do not remotely utilise so much of what oh, comes so much in the land yes. that we need to use and that's basically what we're doing you can just go 
to the middle of nowhere yeah. and pick food. But uh, and that's what our, our Aboriginal ancestors it. have been doing, yeah. you know, their whole lives, and yet we kind of seem to have copied UK and 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 imported. Yeah, we've neglected a lot of the the real things that yeah. we have in Australia. You yeah. Know? I mean, even the kangaroos. There's yes. so many kangaroos you can eat, yeah. and emus and venisons at the moment. You know. Yes. There's like I think what over one million venisons yeah, hanging yeah, around yeah, in Victoria. So. Well, and, and I think the thing with these as well is even though we do all this thing, we use a lot of interesting ingredients. Everything we still do though, first we we do it and we put it together, and then we put it in a bowl, we eat it ourselves, and we go, "Is this actually edible? Does it taste like?" When <laughs> Again, I say that, not Kevin. When I, when I, no, no, when I say that, it's gone. Kevin is gone. We need number two. Jeffrey. When I say that, it's not about the ingredient because I'm always 100% certain of everything and anything I pick and anyone eats is, is always safe. But what I meant is we, we, we see that it has to taste good, you know, because it can look good mm. and it can be using cool ingredients or, or whatever the ingredients are, yeah, yeah. but it has to taste, like, nice at the end of the day. You know, things can taste different because yeah. everything, you know, not... It's good for things to taste different, but it still has to work and has to, you know, be yeah. physically where you can eat it and you, mm. you don't go, oh, that's just so weird, my yeah. whole mouth is just, like... Rejecting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and don't you find that I think food now is kind mm. of... I feel like in my grandma's, in my nana's day, my nana mm. would always make things like tripe and mm. she would make exactly a lot of offal dishes yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was more affordable. I mean, things like lamb shanks were thrown away. Really? Now they're so... Oh, they were so cheap. They were like dog meat. Now they're so expensive yeah. by comparison. Sure. But all the sorts of things that, you know, my nanny used to cook with and brains and rabbit stew and things. And they seem like they're, I mean, they're coming back, back be, now. Oysters used to be the, the food of the poor. They used yeah. to go down the water and collect it. Yes. Now it's like... Uh, in Australia, it's five dollars each. Five dollars <laughs> an oyster. You go to Asia, it's ten, twelve, fifteen dollars yes. an oyster. Yes, that's fair. I know. So but I think we are food. going also back to appreciating Nana's food, like some of the things you were talking about earlier, mm. the the offaly type things, which we've always been shied away. We've always kind of shied away from them. Um, a generation later, but I think now these things are you know you don't sort of think twice about things like that like we would have. I never did. I always no, but that's because you're a man of the world. Okay. You know, you've travelled the world. I'm talking about people who have grown up in Australia, oh, yeah, yeah, quite I mean, insular. You know, when I grew up, to be honest, I grew up eating a lot of these things. You know, yeah. I, I was eating rabbit and. Yeah. Kangaroo and many things from And that's what I, I mean. Really your young. parents are like old school, you know? Yeah. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. It sort of seems like um, it Which got right away time, from maybe that. maybe I didn't agree with it so much, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> now, you know, it's, it's what shaped me. So. Mm, yeah. Well, I have always wondered about eating filters, which is effectively kidneys, livers. Oh, oh, oh right. Oh, yes. They're yeah. filters of yeah, the body, yeah. right? Well, so you kind of go, would you eat a filter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have nothing wrong with them. Yep. Yeah, lungs and stuff are really <laughs> nice, you know. It's make, it makes it interesting. Are they a bit light and airy, though? No, no, lungs That's actually... That's a joke. Is. Lungs, light and airy. Oh, OK. But <laughs> light and airy. But actually, when you cook them, they are not so light and airy. Oh, They're hey. becoming, like, really nice. I'm thinking, like, like, ribs. Like, a, what do you mean, lungs? Lungs. Like, like lungs. the... Cow's lungs. Cow's lungs, yeah. <gasps> yeah, those are very you popular in China. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's one. I, I think that's one really. Child too, you did know? you? Yeah. Well, they don't like to waste any part of the animal, and no. I, and I love that. Yeah. I think that that's so yeah. important. Not, not, not just the, you know, like the animals, like you know, like, but you know, it's, that's another amazing thing in China. You know, if mm. you if you see fish being eaten, 
every single part of it will be eaten yeah. To, yeah. To the, down to the organs. Well, yeah. That's amazing. You yeah. Know? We've been to restaurants with me and Eris in, in China and yeah. you pick the fish yep. and then the fish will be cooked in about 15, 18 different ways. So good. And then the last thing you have at the end is all the bones and everything that gets fr- half of it fried, half of it made into a soup with yeah, rice. And, yum. Yeah, yum. So good. Mm. Oh, you two, I have to say, are very blessed to have had the, I guess, the worldly experiences mm. that you've had. And even more so, people who come to Lume and Dine are luckier again because we get to be, I guess, the guests to an experience that mm. is just would rival an international experience. Oh, so yeah. we're very, very excited that Lume's here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so lovely chatting to you. Um, you guys are going to have a very big year now because, you know, people can't travel with COVID so much, so they'll be looking for really unusual and wonderful, enriching dining experiences. And that's got Lume written all over it. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> so lovely to chat to you, Arez. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely chatting to you. And so nice to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. Elijah. And Thank uh, you. yeah, get to it's lume.com.au. Yep. Spelt L U M E. Yeah, yeah, restaurant, yep. restaurant Lume. Oh, rest, but yeah, but if they just type in Lume, it comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, if you. Restaurant Lume, Lume, Lume. Yeah. yeah. And you can also follow, what's the Instagram? Uh, the Instagram is also. Uh, Restaurant Lume as well. Because Elijah puts up little videos on there of him foraging some of the food yeah, and different yeah, things. Yeah, it's yeah. really fun. So it's really engaging content, yeah, which you'll love. Restaurant underscore Lume. Yeah. L-U-M-E. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much, you guys. Um, it's been lovely chatting to you. I'm Nerida, and you've been listening to That Food and Wine Show. For more snackable content, visit thatfoodandwineshow.com.au.